Hey y'all, so this video is going to be a little bit different than the others. So if you're sensitive to violence or self-harm, not from me, but from others that's mentioned in this video, then go ahead and tune off and I'll see you next time. Also, I appreciate Nicole for allowing me to come on her platform and speak about my life as it's the first time I'm doing this in a public setting and especially on social media. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. You know, growing up, I had problems comprehending and learning, so I had to be given extra time on tests, and I had to be in speech classes just to keep up in those classes. My mama told me that that stemmed from a babysitter that was slapping me and my brother around, you know, bopping me upside the head with a telephone and things like that when we were toddlers. And by the time my mama found out and she, my mama wanted to end her, basically, the babysitter ditched town not to be seen again. So that was a whole debacle back then. But other than that, our home life was normal. You know, we had normal arguments, ups and downs, playing video games, especially uh, Dragon Ball Z, Budokai, Tekaichi, and Digimon, you know, that sort of thing. And as far as school goes, you know, I got clowned a lot because I was asking too many questions, trying to learn due to my comprehension sort of disability. Even though my grades for A's and B's, you know, I was just comprehending slow. And, you know, kids would eat that up, you know, as weakness, unfortunately. And, you know, sometimes kids are vultures. As I got older, I did obtain more friends, and it was good to an extent. You know, there are just certain people that were jealous about where I live because most of those people who were jealous, they lived in a certain neighborhood, basically the hood. And they didn't, they didn't like me because I lived in a majority white neighborhood at the time. And my dad, being a corrections officer, they most definitely made fun of me because of that. They said, oh, your dad's a CEO. He must be a this or he must be a that. So it was pretty rough. But they also like made fun of me just because I was related to my brother. But that's his story to tell because he had his own things going on. And the difference between me and my brother is that he fought people when they picked on him. And I just walked away when they picked on me. You know, nothing important happened besides what I told you until it was time for me to join the Air Force. You know, I was 17 when I joined the delay entry program. That's basically a waiting program for me to get in the Air Force. I wanted to do that because I knew how long it'll take for me to ship, which was 16 months, and I didn't wait, want to wait any longer than I had to to get up out of South Georgia. That goes into why I joined the Air Force, because I want the Air Force to be a stepping stone for me. Plus, I want to get out of um, crappy Waycross. You know, no really good jobs. I didn't want to be in student loan debt. And um, I didn't want to be part of that cycle being broke. Now, I could have went differently about joining the Air Force. Number one, I didn't get the job I wanted because I rushed. And number two, my recruiter took me to Moody Air Force Base and showed me what the job was about. 
and that gave me a sour taste. Let me tell you about that real quick. So the job was named Services, right? And he he took me to the hotel on Moody. He took me to the gym on Moody, which was nice and calm. But when I got to um, the defect, man, I see nothing but chaos. You know, the tech sergeant, when she was talking to me, telling me about services she wore out, I looked out the corner of my eye, and uh, my heart started beating fast because two of staff sergeant, you know, they got four stripes on their arm. They were cussing the junior airman out about some baked beans that was about to run out. And I, I was like, man, do I really want to join this? So I told my parents about it, and they basically asked me, you still want to join the Air Force after you just saw all that? And I thought for a minute, and I still went for it. And my parents went up to talk to the recruiter and everything. The recruiter told us that the Air Force was going through a sequestration, which meant they were broke at the time. If I tried to change my job now, it would be a while before something else popped up. And I wasn't trying to take no chances at all. And I wanted to get out, get out of Waycross, Georgia real quick, like almost as soon as I graduated. Like my brother did, he got out of Waycross quick. But I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Nothing extravagant happened between, you know, the rest of my high school time or things like that. You know, had fun in high school, graduated high school. There's a three-month gap that happened in between high school and basic training. I ship off the basic, and when I got there, whoo, man, and realized that not everybody with different skin tones was cordial and not racist. Now, it would have been all right if, you know, they had similar ways of thinking, though. Nope. I got called the N-word occasionally. Someone wiped their junk with my towel and threw it in my face. People were coming on to me sexually. I mean, it was really bad. But the towel dude, though, he ended up getting recycled, by the way, for doing something else wild. And I have a video about this on my YouTube channel if y'all want to go check it out. And it'll be up here somewhere. But I'm trying to spell y'all the nasty details. I don't want to try to share that in this video. Now, thankfully, I get through that mess called basic training. Tech school in Fort Lee was all right. Nothing too extravagant happened besides the fact that I wish the volunteer hours could have counted. I wish the people at my first base would have told me that, that the volunteers did not count. I get to South Korea, that's my first base, and I realize I had more problems than I'm willing to admit. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Now, to name off a couple, being transparent here, I couldn't take constructive criticism, and I was bad with listening to details and instructions. You know, I was being late all the time. You know, my room wasn't inspection ready. I remember one time I had to go to um, my on-the-job training for a practice test, you know, CDCs, and I was supposed to have a supervisor with me. And that was the rule at the time. They are treating us like babies, but whatever. And I didn't have it. I didn't have the supervisor, and they wrote me up for it. And it was dad on top of cussing authority and things like that, and they kept adding up and adding up and adding up. And at this point, I'm like, is, life, is there more to life than this? So I was trying to get my life back on track. And they were kicking me while I was down, kept reprimanding me and reprimanding me and reprimanding me. And on top of this, I even had an aneurysm on it. And I could tell a different story about that.
you know you in bad shape if you get reprimanded by a chief master sergeant, like the tip-top enlisted in your unit. I was thinking about life and things like that. Is there more to life than this? And I was out and about at a weird volunteer opportunity called Kappa. Kappa means Korean American Partnership Association, where we just pick up trash and network with other Koreans and Americans or military people, regardless if they're military or not. The host told me about this church opportunity on the backside of the military base, or technically the backside of town. He said, I can get extra volunteer hours for it. You know, I blew it off for a couple months. And, you know, when you blow something important off, you know, things get really bad. And that's what happened. Uh, basically, one day in September, after a bad day at work, I remember getting up from a nap. Not getting up from a nap, but I remember when I was taking a nap, I remember about this time this person told me about Jesus when I was 11. And I remember that time when Jim Dunnett, the host of the Capitol, told me about the church described earlier as well. So this was a Sunday afternoon in September, and I basically showered and ran full speed to, the, to this church called Victory Baptist Church in Songtan, South Korea. And I ran full speed about two to three whole miles. Now, no sense of me taking a shower because I was musty anyways. But when I got there, first thing the preacher preached on was hell. And he also preached on how Jesus can save you and help you in the midst of your circumstances. Jesus bled, died, and rose again from the dead for all your sins. And Jesus can save your soul. But again, me not caring too much, I blew it off. And things started happening bad at work some more and more and more. And this is the part where I say, sometimes you just have to get to your breaking point at the most times to get to the point where you need Jesus. Now, I'm so glad that I went to this church because they had the right environment. They had the right environment. Now, the night after I went AWOL, which will be another video up here, which was about two months after I initially blew off the preaching. That's when I gave my life to Jesus wholeheartedly. And this was November 2014 when this happened. I gave my life to Jesus wholeheartedly, and I'm so happy about that. Now, work, they, they didn't like me at, before the fact. Now they most didn't like me. But they couldn't do too much of anything because I wasn't misbehaving anymore. Sometimes they would purposely throw stuff in my face to make sure if I reacted. Now, eight out of nine times, nothing. But don't forget, since I told you I went AWOL and I have a video up here, I still have to face the music. So now, this is basically, when I tell you this is gonna be the first miracle I had as a born again Christian. Now, this time I went up to the commander with this is the miracle day. He told me to sit down right outside his office and my supervisor, the commander, and the first sergeant, they went inside the commander's office and I had to sit there outside the office for about 45 minutes. And when they came out, commander went this way, that way, and everybody else went out this way. My supervisor told me I was off. And I started clapping like the person off of the Pursuit of Happiness, if y'all ever seen that movie. Now... I think I went to Seoul that day, but 
I'm not really sure. I ain't even going live. It's about 10 years ago. Now, I still got wrote up for going AWOL, but it was a regular LOR, not an article. And that was the very last time I got wrote up, period. Between 2015 and 2017, nothing too major happened. And also during this time, my PCS from Osan to Langley in Virginia. Now, the only significant thing that happened was my mom almost dying in a car accident. And I'm glad she's better now. And the other thing that happened was I went on a lot of temporary duties. Other than that, not much happened until I thought, not much happened until I met someone who I thought was the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, beautiful, 5'9", brick house, hard worker, and bitches. In my mind, I'm thinking she's this way. And my coworkers, they put me on with her. Let me tell y'all something. Don't ever let a coworker pick a mate for you. Cause it's always gonna turn out really, really, really bad. I just persisted with it and we dated. And at first I thought it was going really well. And then I, time goes by and I noticed she started saying things off about God. I'm thinking in my head, okay, maybe she's just having a bad day. Um, then she said something off color again, which was worse. And this time she was talking bad about my family and about God again. And at this point, time more time goes by, and we're already married, and we're doing a long-distance relationship thing. And then she came out to me and said, oh, this the Christian act was the facade on top of A, B, C, and D. And I don't go into more detail, but I don't like slandering people like that. At this time, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm doomed. And also, I'm thinking and praying to God, I apologize for my sins because you told me about this woman ahead of time and I ignored it. And that's all I got to say about that. You know it's bad when you got your higher-ups at work mad and angry at you for marrying her and also PCSing early. But anyways, time goes by and now summer 2018 is about to become the worst two years of my life. Just to let you know. And I'm just working, doing my classes to become an NCO, and I'm getting ready to move to New Mexico. She already went to New Mexico about 10 months ago, which made the relationship worse because we we're doing the long distance thing, like I said earlier. And I spent almost all my leave, all my money, which could have, which would be okay. But my grandma died on my dad's side. And I knew I was in trouble if I mentioned it to her because I knew she was going to go off about everybody, including my dead grandma, unfortunately. There's times where I actually stood my ground, and there's times I even hung up. And I know that's sad for me to say, but... Anyways, before you ask, why, why didn't I leave? because my unit already cut orders in New Mexico. I PCS in New Mexico, and I didn't even last a full eight days. I'll spare you all the deep, deep details, but this was the catalyst right here. We were in the Buffalo Wild Wings, eating dinner and stuff, and she said something out the way and rolled her eyes, you know, just her typical self, and just something snapped to me, and I basically just gave up. Didn't want to kill myself or nothing. I put my phone and wallet on the ground, sat at the front door for about 30 minutes of Buffalo Wild Wings. I walked outside in the rain for about a mile and turned back to get myself, well, my, actually myself too, 
and get my stuff. And she took me to the hospital. And the arguing got so bad that they removed her from the room I was in, in the hospital room. And the nurse basically said, go get some help to heal and don't see her again because she's bad for you. Now, you got a choice to make. Do you want to go to inpatient or not? And he looked back to make sure she wasn't even listening. I thought for a split-second decision, and I said yes, and I went to an inpatient facility four hours away in Wichita Falls, Texas, and I ain't even signed into the new unit yet because I was still on leave. Now, I voluntarily went there even though I knew it wouldn't help any because she was talking about me sleeping in my car and kicking me out just because I was depressed and stressed out. And I'm still trying not to get watery eyed about that, but I guess it is what it is. Makes me realize how cutthroat the military is in general, because before that, I got cussed out by my supervisor. So, again. No, I'm in Wichita Falls, Texas, and I ain't got no clothes because I went there on last second. And I called my now ex to bring me some clothes. And she went... Well, I went like this. Hey, can you bring me some clothes? Please, please, click. So I had to bum off people off some clothes. I had to stay there for about two months. And after those two months, I was able to buy some clothes and stuff. Anyways, I got out, the, I got out of there. I got up out of there. And I thought I had a fresh start. You know, the, unfortunately, the divorce papers got finalized real quick because New Mexico, they got some... I guess some laws about it, but I thought I had a fresh start, but that wasn't the case. I got up out of there. You know how you just eat food like it's normal when you start work? Now, my stomach just started hurting out the blue like I had a virus, and I just thought it was anxiety. But that kept happening for three months. Off of On top of that, I was dry heaving and dumping syndrome where everything just goes straight through you. And again, this happened for three months at a time, every single day. And I lost 30 pounds. I'm on a cane now. And I can hardly move because of obsessed with dry heaving. And I'm weak. In and out of the emergency room, eating crackers and water because that's the only thing I can eat without my system going all whack. Now, during this time, the doctor's trying to figure out what's wrong with me. Well, technically, what's wrong with my stomach. So they took, I blew off. Um, the procedures at first because I was pretty scared about it, but it got too bad and I gave in and they had to get me a scope. They had to give me a, a esophageal manometry and a gastric emptying stomach study. And those in crazy invasive tests came back in in April 2019. That's when I officially got diagnosed for gastroparesis. Now, they put me on some medicine called Reglan and I had a real bad reaction to it. They also put me on antidepressants, ibotriptyline, because they thought it would help my stomach issues, but unfortunately it didn't. I had some bad, scary thoughts on that medicine. I ain't talking about crazy thoughts about myself either, and I'm just leave that there. So a few more months after April passes and my stomach issues slowly stabilized, and I thought I was doing okay, I was starting to eat food slowly again. And another stumbling block comes up. I'm like, you gots to be kidding me. All of a sudden, both of my legs start swelling up. My joints start swelling up in my arms. At the same time, my unit is on my butt because I'm missing out on work because they're thinking I'm faking it. 
well, at this point, I'm at one of the doctors at in Clovis, New Mexico. And they trying to push for me to go to San Antonio for another opinion. And that's what happens after a few months. September 2019 comes around. And I finally get to San Antonio, you know, Brook Army Medical Center. Shout out to them. And to be exact, I was only supposed to be on a medical TDY for about three days. And when the doctor saw me, she freaked out how messed up I looked and immediately put me in inpatient therapy, which turned to about a 33-day visit total. So I had to get all those crazy tests done again, including a biopsy of bone marrow and all that. Now, I knew my unit wasn't happy, but I'm like, finally, thank you, God, because my health is getting prioritized. It was stressful at first, I ain't even gonna lie. And I had to do a lot of thinking because I realized that during this time, I ain't did much for God. I was only concerned about myself, being apathetic toward other people, even though I want people to be empathetic toward me. And from that day forward, I renewed my relationship with God. And I want to be able to use this situation to help people, regardless of what others may say. And I don't know what that looked like in a time of 2019, but it's been almost four years now. And I finally found that purpose. Now... Afterwards, God really started moving because I was able to heal those bridges, which I usually, when I burnt, I was able to start getting more help. I was able to start, you know, actually start being the NCO and things like that. And that reminded me about Psalm chapter 51, verse 12 and 13. Now, around October 2019, this is when they put me on gabapentin and placum nail for the arthritis. I was in brief remission for about six to seven months, and then everything came about full circle around the time of the pandemic. They upped my medicines, and I was able to hold on through the rough military demands of the pandemic because the pandemic was rough for everybody. And I got med boarded out the Air Force in 2021. Now, the medicines were working for me, but before I got out, I asked the doctors about getting off gabapentin. It was helping my gastroparesis and arthropor- my arthritis, excuse me, but at the cost of a selective sleep and my joints giving out at random times because I was sitting there spilling stuff on the regular because my legs were giving out at a random times. Also, you know how you go to the bathroom and do business like take a number two? Well, I'll go in there sit down, blink, and 30 minutes would go by. So I had to ask the doctor for me to go for me to go cold turkey. He wanted me to taper off of gabapentin, but I said, no, I want to go cold turkey. I'll tell y'all what, do not go cold turkey at all on any meds because that was the worst withdrawal of meds I ever had. Ever, ever, ever. If they, it makes me wonder how drug addicts feel when they come off of their meds. You know, because I was in cold sweats, I had diarrhea, shaking, dizziness, headaches, and more I can't really say on YouTube, but I mean, it was bad. But after that and the withdrawals and stuff, I basically got a, a thank you trophy from my unit and I got out the Air Force successfully. 
Now, I've been out for about two years now, and I'm a freelance photographer and a full-time student at one of the schools here in Georgia, and I'm about to graduate soon. Now, I appreciate y'all for listening to this video. If you're listening to the podcast or watching the video on social media, and also I appreciate Nicole for allowing me to be on her platform so I can tell my story. Now, until next time, I'm Rob, and stay tuned.